So our special guest today is Nat Whiston. Welcome to the show. It's great to be here, Crystal. You're very welcome. Now, I need to apologise to the listeners out there. I have got a uh, 23-year-old and a 20-year-old currently washing pumpkins that they have been pumpkin picking. So you might hear them giggling in the background. So I do apologise. Okay, so tell us a little bit about yourself, Nat. Okay, so I started in the horror industry in 2000. Oh, 2001. Oh, crikey. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, so after my operation, I decided to go back into writing. Um, and I started off by doing smaller pieces for anthologies. I joined Black Ink at one point. Then I did some work for D&T Publishing, as well as Red Cape Publishing, who is also the publisher I'm with for my Nico's Nightmare Portal Pet series, which is my three-book kids series. <laughs> Aside from the kids stuff, I also tend to sit more in extreme horror uh, mainly body horror so i have two um two books out currently for my mini series the wilderness and feel her pain yeah. and i also have my no my novel <laughs> my novel out death walks with me which is part of a series called world to collide and book two of that will be coming out in halloween so <laughs> Brilliant. And you were saying on Facebook that you're not like the other authors. <laughs> I'm a little bit strange. <laughs> oh, no, I, I, I do tend to review uh, horror as well as write it. Most of my stuff is known because I do like side projects of reviewing as well as uh, little stints like kind of sitcom stuff with Creepy Bunny who is a character that I voice as well uh, to kind of get more traction for indie authors. It's mainly indie authors that I tend to review to be honest apart from recently I reviewed the amazing Paul Kane and his series which was phenomenal. Yeah I mean uh, indie authors are sort of like Paul pushbacks to the back burner aren't they and we're quite hidden on Amazon at the moment. I'll agree with that, yeah. Especially, I noticed there was a little bit of bad press at one point on TikTok and Instagram. People were saying that self-published authors aren't real authors, which is like, it's a kick in the face, really, because a lot of us have to put the money forward for our own editing, book design. We're doing our own marketing. We haven't got the backing of publishers with our own stuff. So we're doing it off our own back. So it kind of kicks a little bit when people say, oh, you're not really a, a published author. But technically, it's like, well, what are these? Are these invisible? Do these not exist, these paperbacks I'm holding in my hand? But <laughs> This is why I am kind of big on championing the, the indie horror uh, industry, especially the, the godless section. I mean, Drew Stepick has done some amazing promotion work and pushing of indie authors and started getting, like, started a lot of careers, started mine. Um, my first book was a short story, uh, What's Eating You? And it was released on Godless. Yeah. And it got so much traction and I started kind of building up from there because of Godless. So it's platforms like these are really valuable to the community as well as community groups like Get Writing Horror, which is run by Joe Young. 
fantastic way of helping authors into the industry when they're struggling to find their footing. Yeah, I mean, I'm an indie author myself, so I know how hard it is. And obviously, nine times out of ten, writing the book is a lot easier than marketing ourselves as well. We haven't actually got those publicists behind us helping with the marketing, whereas we're doing it all ourselves. I mean, there are quite a few um, new indie publicists that have just started coming out. And I've interviewed a couple of those. And what they say they're going to be doing in the future is is amazing, where they're going to be helping the authors in such a way. It's fantastic. Oh, definitely. I mean, I've noticed that Godless is now offering um, publishing help as well. So they're offering editing and marketing as part of packages, which are cheaper and more affordable for indie authors, which I think is a brilliant way of doing things. I mean, you've got indie authors coming out of D&T Publishing, Red Cape. I mean, Crystal Lake is out there as one of the big publishers and they have names like Clive Barker behind them who is my hero and I love the guy yeah uh, but it like you say it is incredibly hard to get your footing in this industry so any help you can get is always really appreciated so hearing about the new indie publishers putting it forward and helping to kind of establish new and emerging authors is a great way of kind of building traction almost for everything and kind of the movement going i mean as well you're right with tiktok tiktok's quite instrumental isn't it with giving a lot of bad uh how how would i say this um saying bad crap about indie authors and particular indie authors as well they do you get one video that goes up and then there's like a stream of people following that printing the same sort of things well this is what it's like i've noticed with extreme horror as well we kind of have a bad rap because we go to taboo subjects and dark humor and one particular video that really aggravated me was when they were giving all this horrible press to aaron beauregard if you've ever met this guy, he he wrote the slob playground. He's the nicest human being you will ever meet. And he's so supportive of other authors. And it was just heartbreaking to see so many people, no idea who he is, but they're putting on the hate train on him. And it broke my heart, to be honest, because extreme horror is niche in its own way, especially the sort of horror that we do. And it breaks my heart when you see these good-hearted, lovely people getting put into a stereotypical box of, you write extreme horror, therefore you're a monster, which is never the case. Yeah, it's like they it's like they actually think that what we're writing in the books is what we're actually doing in real life. Mm. I was going to say, if I wrote, like, <laughs> if I did half of the stuff in Feel Her Pain, I think I'd get a hysterectomy quicker. <laughs> yeah i'm just sitting in a cupboard and i got a body underneath the desk but you know (laughs) okay so tell us a bit about your books without giving any spoilers away obviously okay so the mini series uh wilderness is the first one in the book series and it covers domestic violence um each of the mini series uh covers certain aspects of life and does come from personal experience 
wilderness was my experience with domestic violence. Uh, we follow a character who has herself locked away in a hotel in the middle of nowhere, very rare memory of what's going on or what's happened from her past life. Mm-hmm. And she's just basically taking this journey to piece together her past. Then my recent one, uh, Feel Her Pain, is based on body horror and the experience of living with endometriosis yeah. and how it can affect the body. So a lot of the aspects in that story are realistic because they're taken from parts of my life and having to go to numerous doctor's appointments, go to numerous medications, go through all the side effects. And I wrote it in as kind of my way of building closure for myself. It's amazing how writing does kind of work as a filter for most people. Yeah. Death Walks With Me, the World's Collide series, is an apocalypse series. Uh, Basically, there are four women who are psychotic, broken, demented. Uh, They have dethroned the original Four Horsemen and are starting the apocalypse under the guise of a darker, more malevolent evil. And there's a woman in the middle of all this called Sam who is a medium and she is very close best friends with the new horseman famine called Casca. Her aim in the series is to get Casca back because she believes she's gone down a dark path and she wants to pull her back. She remembers the woman that she loved and the woman that was her best friend for years and and pulled her into this world and kept her safe, has now kind of took this dark path where she is determined to take away humanity's only hope. So book one is meeting the horseman and learning more about Sam and Casca's relationship. And book two is working through the seals as they get broken. So You've got the four horsemen seals, and then you've got another three seals on top, including the Rise of the Martyrs, which comes into book three. Yeah. Then you've got the kids series, Vico's Nightmare Portal Pets, which is basically a age 8 to 12 uh, kids series about a little boy called Nico who goes to a science museum in Digbeth, and he meets a little monster called Bob. Yes, I know. I was original with that name, wasn't I? Um, (laughs) Bob is from another dimension and he persuades Nico to help him find the rest of his friends. But it goes a little bit darker towards the end and we lead into Invasion of the Portal Pets and then book three um, leads into the kids who have disabilities like Nico has severe anxiety. He ends up getting a superpower from the portal, which is his anxiety gives him visions of what's to come. Uh, there's a little girl with cerebral palsy, um, a little kid with down syndrome who gets extra intelligence and strength, a uh, little boy that's paralyzed from the waist down. He gets the power to use telekinesis. It's kind of just like, the whole basis of the series was to give hope to kids who feel like 
their disability or their mental health issues are holding them back when really you can just go, look, you're a superhero in this universe. Like yeah. you got diabetes, like type two, you have to keep stabbing yourself with insulin. That turns into sugar light in another dimension. You can shoot powers from your hands and it's giving them a little bit more hope and also making them feel as special as they should feel. And that was the main aim of the series, especially since somebody very close to me, their child has Down syndrome and heart issues. And I think it will be something that when she gets older, she'll read it and hopefully it'll make her feel like, wow, I'm awesome. I'm special. I have superpowers in another dimension because of what I do. It makes me incredibly brave incredibly courageous and i'm just as strong as any superhero from the marvel universe yeah that's a lovely lovely uh series to be honest i can see where you're coming from with that it's a nice idea no it, it like i say it's kind of i'm a weird one because i've got light and dark going on <laughs> it's like <laughs> Uh, in this side of me, you will see body parts and you will see people getting torn to pieces and hanging from hooks and God knows what else. And then you got the other side of me that's like, oh, look, there's aliens and they're invading and everybody's going to be all right at the end of it. Don't worry. It's all good. <laughs> so, yeah, two, <laughs> two sides. Um to be fair, I know another author who's very similar, uh, Dee McCluskey. Um, he is lovely and he's got like his side of extreme horror and he's got his kids series. I've got a, a seagull's tail on my shelf, ironically enough. So yeah. he's got his kids stuff and he's got his extreme stuff. So I'm like, oh, we're one in the same. I like you. <laughs> yeah, he goes into schools as well, doesn't he? Which is mm-hmm. fantastic. So, yeah. Um, so... What inspired you to write body body horror specifically? Well, there's there's kind of two things. Um, so when I was younger, I picked up two books. Um, one book was Cabal, and the other one was uh, Books of Blood. And I fell in love with Clive Barker's work and everything that he put together in terms of body horror was insanely cool. But for me, Hellbound Heart was the starting point. And then seeing it on screen as Hellraiser, that was like, oh, oh, I love that. I love the way that it pulls you in psychologically. And I started reading the Hellraiser series and the Cenobites backstories and learning more about Leviathan. I got into Paul Kane's work where he merges his own work with Clive Barker's in uh, Sherlock Holmes and the Servants of Hell. And I I got into kind of 80s horror, which is all blood, guts and slashery. But as I got older and I started kind of struggling with chronic health issues and fighting my own body, I started realising that the horrors really do sometimes occur in your own system, if that makes sense. Uh, The idea of pain was mainly my way of kind of dealing with living with what I have for the last 16, 17 years. And if you're somebody that has a disability or chronic health issues, body horror seems to be the go-to. A lot of people I know 
who suffer with chronic illness have seemed to more towards the body horror scene. Uh, the perfect example is Rufan, her recent uh, anthology, uh, Medical Horrors, perfectly encapsulated everything that I'm saying because it talks about how real horror and real life kind of fold into body horror beautifully. I mean, you've yeah. got Matty Bobcash with the glut, uh, the glut, uh, which was insanely amazing and a really good story about a man who was struggling with losing weight and his own body shame and going from there to kind of do anything he can to solve that issue. And then you've got Transmuted by Eva, who is... Eva Harmon is an amazing author, but it was the way that she kind of muted together the whole... Uh, transgressive horror with body horror and also included it with like trans horror which was a new concept for me altogether and I found that fascinating and the body horror movement kind of seems to be building and building as we go along. Yeah are there any particular subgenres that you wouldn't write in? I struggle with (laughs) sci-fi which is quite ironic considering I grew up on Star Trek and I grew up on sci-fi movies of all descriptions, but it's still the one genre that eludes me and I still struggle with it a little bit. Like horror, fantasy, I've written romance, I've I've done some ghost stories, but it's always sci-fi that seems to kind of get me because unfortunately I didn't do very well in science at school. So (laughs) it's kind of ironic considering I work for a charity that deals with biology, you know, it's like, I still forget, like I'm sitting there going, no, which ventricle does what? (laughs) Sitting there watching Grey's Anatomy going, you horrible buggers. I knew you, you make it look so easy. Remembering, (laughs) you're remembering how to do a tracheotomy and stuff like that and I'm sitting here going now which part of the heart pumps the blood to the legs so for me science will always be the one that I struggle with whereas body horror um, normal horror go extreme uh, I, I just seem to be more comfortable in because it's there's, there's, it's just something more relatable for me but yeah. yes science fiction and me don't get on <laughs> okay so how do you come up with the um dark settings in your stories uh some of my settings like i say they're based on true reality uh real life issues um first book of wilderness was domestic violence as well as i was homeless at one point and i lived in a hotel in the middle of nowhere and i was sitting there writing and i was like do you know what this would really work this is, yeah, this is terrifying. I'm going to write about this. <laughs> and um, it kind of built from there. Pain, like I say, it's based on what I've gone through. And Death Walks With Me, actually, I've been working on that for the last, oh, God. Oh, Jesus. I started that, got to be about 18 years ago. I spent 10 years planning out this book and after my operation, I was going through all my notes and I looked down and I saw my notes for the book and everything. And I flicked through the notepad and I went, you know what, I should just write this and get it on paper. And 
it was always something I wanted to do was to publish a book. And I was like, you know what? It's sitting on a shelf looking at me. I need to do something with it. And the main character, Sam, is based on my best friend. So a lot of the characters are semblances of people that I know in my life. But Sam is based on my best friend's personality, wit, sarcasm. And I just got so racked off with the horror community when they have characters that are plus size it's usually a joke and I wanted to make a main character that was a regular lady regular like kind of going through life and has this amazing personality doesn't matter that they're plus size because she just whacks it out the park every time it's like a part part of the one of the books uh, somebody makes a fat joke to her and she's like oh please get new material i've heard this before you're nothing special and you're just like yeah this is the kind of strong woman that nobody is taking the piss out of and nobody's taking shit from and i the thing about sam is she sees the good in everyone And I loved that as a character placement because of Casca. As as dark as Casca is, she has got this side of her that she did at one point feel so empty within herself that she was trying to fill a void within herself, whether it was through masochism, whether it was through dominatrix work. Eventually, it led her to meet the demon uh, Abaddon in the book series yeah. who offers her the mantle of famine because her emptiness was basically screaming at him and famine doesn't just mean hunger it can also mean the hunger of the soul um, so Casca clearly is losing herself and Sam is trying everything she can to bring her back from that but it's a dark road for both characters because it pushes their friendship to the limit on so many different levels. So for me, it was merging this friendship into this dark universe and also kind of inspired by, I don't know if you know Buffy, Um, Buffy the Vampire Slayer uh, did a season five last episode where Buffy was, Sorry, spoiler alert, uh, Buffy dies. Now, the dimensions are supposed to bleed into one another and all hell and chaos rains down on everyone. We get a dragon and I was like, okay, what's next? Yeah. Where, whatever, you know, monsters, alien, what, what are we getting? We only saw part of that and actually sat there and got really annoyed. And I went, bugger, I want to write this ending how I wanted it to be. I wanted to see a full-on apocalypse, hell, blood, scorned, almost like uh, the anime Blood and Berserk kind of mashed into one, yeah. uh, where it literally was all the dimensions bleed into one and all hell reigns on earth, every dimension screaming and crying out for release, no mercy. And I just kind of went, you know what? I want to do this. I've already got an idea of where I want to go with the different dimensions and the different ways that humanity has to fight to survive. I know what I want to do with my apocalypse. So 
I just kind of started. So book one came and then uh, some difficulties with book two, but finally I, I've got book two coming out in Halloween yeah. and then book three is short to follow, which is the, the final door. But it, for me, it was more the series just kind of, it folded into one with the story that I'd written 10 years ago and always meant to kind of bring forward. Yeah. Sometimes you just have that one story that sits on your shelf and you go, oh, I can't turn away from it now. And that was mine. But it's out there now, so you can be happy. Oh, yeah. It's quite funny because um, my best friend has my entire back catalogue. And it's quite like, it's the funny part of it's not the fact that she's a character in it. It's more, look, my best friend's name is on this book. And look, there's a picture of her at the back of it and everything. I'm like, oh, God, no, stop. <laughs> but she is my biggest cheerleader. And honestly, she's my biggest supporter. And I couldn't do half of the stuff I do without her support. And I think that is the big thing as well when you're doing this kind of work. It's having a good support system and having those people around you who will be honest about your work and be brutally fair with you. I mean, at one point we sat and we read one of my stories and she was like, oh, it doesn't quite make sense. So I had to rewrite it, but I trust her that much. And it, like in the horror community as well, like I have kind of adopted <laughs> Ash Eritmore who is another extreme horror writer. He's kind of like become a father figure to me because he's just took me under his wing. He's constant supporter and champion. And he does so many of my amazing covers like the wilderness pain, uh, the newest one, that's his cover work, uh, the photography uh, for time is fleeting, which is the second book from death walks with me. Uh, that's actually a photograph of me. <laughs> it's my, my ugly butt is actually on the front cover. Um, ages ago, I did some photography work for some stories and I fell in love with that picture of me in the, the Plague Doctor mask. And I looked at it and just kind of went, this is book two's cover. This is the way I want to go with this because that is how I always envisioned Casker anyway. Yeah. And so um, my ugliness is living on that page. <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, Death Walks With Me, the girl that is walking with the Grim Reaper on the front cover. Again, it's me. I'm starting to get worried that I may have an ego problem because all my <laughs> books have pictures of me on them from when I was much skinnier and and less in love with Burger King. But there we go. <laughs> but you know what I mean? You find so many amazing people in this industry and it is just finding your tribe I think is the word and I found my tribe with these guys especially with everything I've gone through they have been my biggest supporters and honestly they're, they're an incredible group of people to know yeah I think that's the that's the worry for new authors isn't it that they some of them don't have that support system behind them and they're obviously too scared to put themselves out there 
because you've got like with as we discussed earlier you've got tiktok sort of like uh, slagging off extreme horses and things like that so obviously new authors it's going to be scary well this is why when i started out i was horrifically terrified because i got into the industry through uh, another author by the name of Teresa derwin um she's amazing and she introduced me to Joe. She introduced me to the horror community. And it was my leg in after I met Black Ink. I started networking a bit more. Godless really helped with that as well, because Godless is a platform for new authors. And now that they're offering this opportunity to say to new authors, hey, if you're worried about editing, let us do it. And it's not as you know, as overpriced as what you get with like most of the other platforms. Yeah. It's giving that bit of encouragement. But for new authors, I will always recommend um, Get Writing Horror. It's an amazing group. They will give you really good like feedback. We also have the Sprint group, which helps with writing sprints. So getting you into the paper to the pen situation because it's one of those things. It's like it doesn't matter if it's not completely perfect. Just write something. And mm. I think I've always said to people, and I'll say this to anyone, like if you're new into the industry and you ain't got a clue what you're doing, literally just message me. I'm only a message away. I do not mind helping others because everybody's got the same dream. And this ain't a competition. We're here to support each other and lift each other up. So as far as I'm concerned, you come to me and go, I don't know where to start. What do I do? I can point you in some directions and I can give you some pointers on who to speak to. Yeah. I mean, don't get me wrong. If you want me to edit something for you, I don't think I can do that because I have neurospicy brain and I have to get somebody paid to do that. But <laughs> if you... <laughs> If you want somebody to, like, speak to about certain genres, I literally the amount of people I could help you put in touch with, it's, it's lovely to have different authors from different styles of life that you know you can point them like, oh, if you're not sure about this, there's this book about writing horror, um, the resources that I can point you in the direction of that I learned through uh, Get Writing Horror. As far as I'm concerned, everyone deserves a chance to fight for their dream. Yeah. I'm more than happy to give the leg up. Yeah, that's right, though, isn't it? I mean, horror is a really friendly community. Uh, you can see that throughout all of the groups, that they're all friendly, willing to help, read each other's works, that kind of thing. So, yeah, it's um, you can't knock them. <laughs> This is it. Like, I've known more toxic communities in the past. And to be fair, it is nice that, like, when all this went down with the extreme horror knockback, so many people, reviewers, bloggers, readers, and even writers kind of joined forces and just went, do you know what, pack it in. It's... It's that family feel that seems to come together with most of the community. We do look after each other. 
and that's something that very much appreciated especially in a day and age where like you say everyone seems to use social media these days to rip on rather than give constructive criticism yeah Um, I mean, don't get me wrong, I look kill for a review. I'm like, oh, my God, even if it's just a one-star review, I'm like, you read my book? Oh, thank you. <laughs> but even those one-star reviews can be quite good for you. <laughs> this is it. You can post them as well. Somebody, oh, this was rubbish. It was gory. It was horrible. Well, thank you. It's free marketing. Woohoo! <laughs> just stick it up on your Facebook. Like, Give this- me an extreme an extreme horror fan i'm gonna look at that review and go huh it was disgusting was it where is it (laughs) (laughs) well this is it um what was it there was one um ash um his clown horror got absolutely trashed by this one guy and most of the reviewers pretty much responded with it says on the cover that it is extreme horror and contains triggers. How did you miss that? (laughs) She's why most of my trigger warnings are on the back of the book. Um, So it's like you always find most people never like flip into the first page. They'll always look at the back and the front. So all my trigger warnings are on the back. It's like, so this is the story and this is how upset you're going to get if you haven't got a strong stomach. So you've been pre-warned in advance. Go forth into the darkness and enjoy yourself. But Do you think, as like an extreme horror author yourself, do you think that trigger warnings are a necessity to put on your books? I've spoken to a couple of reviewers um, and they don't think it's a necessity that they actually look for. I think for me, it's more of a common common courtesy because, for example, in Death Walks With Me, uh, there is a scene that involves SA and it can be quite triggering for people who have gone through that. Obviously, I've read books like The Slob and stuff like that. So I think my trigger warning filter has kind of just gone out the window. I I don't seem to get bothered by anything these days. (laughs) I mean, I was reading a Mogwai um, by uh, the Sean Hawker uh, and Simon McCarthy. And... It was literally a rip on Gremlins, but extreme horror version. And it didn't trigger me. It just made me really, really laugh so hard, like that I sneezed. And I just fell in love with the fact that I've literally got this feeling that I think once you've gone through the darker side of emotions, you've kind of tend to have a stronger filter. Uh, but with trigger warnings, I I know not everyone's going to have the same dark and twisted sense of humor as myself. So I always put it on the back just to cover my back. And also, it's a courtesy to the reader to say, look, I've, you know, I've warned you in advance. Yeah. If it's not for you, put the book down. But, yeah, uh, a lot of people will say, like reviews will say, yeah, it's it's not a necessity. For me, it's not a necessity as a reviewer. For an author, it's just a courtesy. I do put the trigger warnings on there because I know 
personally, my stomach is stronger than, <laughs> than some stomachs. So I kind of like to cover my bases for everyone else, because unfortunately, there are some readers that believe that every book is tailored to them. Yeah, very true. <laughs> so have you ever scared yourself with something that you've written or have you thought that you've gone a bit too far with something? Uh, yes, um, definitely in the recent book. Um, I think having an editor that knows how to put the brakes on and go, oh, okay, calm, calm down, no, calm down. But there, there has been points where I've got to write my own story like wilderness for me was revisiting trauma and old wounds that closed up many 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 moons ago yeah um but it was raising awareness of looking for the red flags and knowing what to watch out for that was mainly my goal with wilderness it was just to try and pre-warn other women and show them that there is a way out of the darkness. Yeah. That one was hard for me because it was revisiting something that I had locked away for a very long time. And pain was just, I'll be honest with you, it was me crying for two days whilst writing it because I'd just come out of hospital. And I was like, well, I'm in lots of pain. I'm going to write about it. <laughs> so for me, it was just kind of a release. So as far as scaring myself is concerned, I think I scare my friend more than I scare myself <laughs> because she's like, oh, Lord, what have you written this time? I was like, I'm sorry. It came out. It's there. It's on paper. We can't ignore it anymore. So how do you think the horror genre um, sort of like in literature has evolved over the, over the years and where do you think you can see it going? See, um, I mean, you look at the older kind of Hamahara and how that kind of was quite tame compared to what we've got today. The horror genre seems to be kind of constantly changing, uh, especially when you look at the fact that it's like we had – uh, grindhouse um, sexploitation. We had extreme horror for like films like Serbian movie and Irreversible and Human Centipede kind of pushed out body horror as well. Yeah. But for me, it seems like extreme horror is coming back a bit more again, like with playground and david volpe's bringing out more stuff love volpe's awesome um like i said we've got this kind of refusion with films like terrifier um it seems like horror is getting more creative but it's also getting more cautious yeah in the film industry i've noticed it's kind of taming down a bit Whereas before that, you had like remake adaptions like Rob Zombie's Halloween and stuff like that that went a little bit more extreme, House of Thousand Corpses, Clyde Barker's stuff. Like he's had this new resurgent with Hellraiser, the remake. And it's it's interesting to see the back and forth of it. Literature-wise, we seem to be 
going back into extreme and then we go back into normal horror, ghost, dark fantasy. But I have started noticing more on TikTok that extreme horror is getting a lot more press these days. And it is nice to see indie authors getting noticed more. Yeah, I mean, TikTok, there was um, a thing a couple of, was it a couple of weeks ago or about a month ago? where they said that extreme horses are sick and need to be institutionalised. Good luck. They'd send me back. (laughs) (laughs) Nope, we don't want this one. You can keep this one. (laughs) Send it back to reality. It's fine. Oh, Jesus. Um, Unfortunately, uh, that is... It's a sad fact that it's like when you look at the past with like serial killers and stuff like that, they'll see that certain killers have got like horror paraphernalia or something like that. And they're like, the horror movies made them do it. And you're like, no, the sick person that was them made them do it. So it is one of those things where we're having to be a bit more careful especially with the bad press. But I think if we look after each other, that's what counts. And like I said, I'll support any new and upcoming authors. I'm happy to support anyone that needs it or talk to anyone who wants to get some tips. I'm not as well-versed as some people in this industry. Like, for example, like I say, Daniel Volpe and... Aaron Beauregard, I share it more. They're, then you've got Drew Stepick who runs Godless. The, these guys are like icons to me because they do, they set apart with their work. They really do. And if I could get half as noticed as those guys, I'd be very happy. But like you say, extreme horror is getting a bad rap at the moment, saying that we're sick and twisted. And it's like, uh, no, we're human beings and uh, we're not going around macheting people. I think you'd notice a population decrease quite quickly, especially with the rise of extreme horrors recently and how many people are getting into horror. Yeah. But unfortunately, it's these kind of closed-minded opinions that kind of derive and take down the industry plus it makes authors that want to get into the industry back away which is a shame because it could be that we've got the next Clive Barker the next Stephen King just kind of sitting in the corner going I can't write that because I'll offend people or I can't write that because they'll think I'm a monster but it's like you should be able to release your creativity so have you got any memorable reactions from a re- from readers that stand out to you? One in particular. Um, sadly, uh, she's no longer with us. Um, her name was Pax Panic, and she's a reviewer on YouTube, was. And I remember I says to her about Death Walks with me, and I was like, I don't know if I'm going to do a second one. And she went, let, let me buy it and let me be the judge of it. So bearing in mind at this point, I had zero reviews and she come on YouTube, did a video of my book and she was, her review just blew my mind. And 
the time that she took to read, to look into the characters, to really get invested in the story, it touched every part of me. And then when she said at the end, I'm kind of hoping that there's going to be a second book, I was like, oh, crap, <laughs> got to do the next part now. Um the only thing I was quite gutted about from that was that, unfortunately, she's not around to see book two. Um, mm. But I have put a dedication in the book for her because she was an amazing reviewer and such a lovely human being. And you can still see her videos on YouTube if you type Pax Panic in YouTube. She was a big supporter of the community, huge, you know, extreme horror didn't even phase this girl she loved gothic horror um but when you have somebody turn around and say that your book reminded her of an epic fantasy like merlin with body horror and extreme that doesn't push too hard that that review sits in your brain for a very long time and she will always be a big a big part of why book two came and why i've continued the series Lovely. It's a shame. I did hear about uh, about her passing. It's uh, it is a shame. Yeah, she was a good, good, good person. Wonderful human being, and it's just heartbreaking that that we're not going to see more of her, and we're not going to be able to hear more about her and how she's doing. But she's out of pain, and she's not in pain anymore, and that's all that matters to me. It is. So do you have any upcoming projects or releases that you're excited about? Yes. So obviously, uh, Time's Fleeting is the end of the month. Um, I'm working on a secret project. That sounds really good. Um, With a certain company at the moment, which will get revealed hopefully next month. I'm working on book three of the miniseries. Yeah. And I'm also writing the end, like the third book in the Worlds Collide series, which at the moment I'm just like, um, I have reviews to do. <laughs> I have books to review and there are many of them and they keep piling up. Um, so I've got a TBR list that's as long as my arm. And I have to keep my books on a high shelf because my rats like to eat them. And I love my people too much to kind of be like, I'm sorry, your book was eaten by two rats who were very much liking to nest. So that's mostly, mainly my TBR is going to be the thing that I focus on. So the new reviews and new releases. But at the moment, I am still working on two projects that I can't reveal until a later date, which is kind of a shame. But it also keeps things exciting and I like to keep my whimsy up. So I'm keeping my mystery there. Like, yes, I have projects, but you will not know. (laughs) That's fine. So we've got lots of projects coming, but I'm just not telling you. So just keep the whimsy, keep the whimsy. It's all good. (laughs) Okay. So what advice, I know you've given some advice already, but what advice would you give to aspiring horror writers? Keep going. Write that story. Okay. It might, I mean, don't get me wrong. My first draft of Death Walks with me, I could have cried because I was there going, oh my God, look at all the red pen. But if you have an idea, get it on paper. If it's living in your mind, it doesn't have the chance to become something that it could. So 
do your writing, do your sprints, just get it on paper. And if you do need to help, like you need support or help, I'm here. I don't mind. Message me. I'm pretty sound all right, uh, I guess. I don't know. (laughs) The main thing is if you've got a dream, follow it. That's all that I'm going to say. Just keep going and you will have a book out on a shelf somewhere with your name on it if you keep persevering and you do the work and you are willing to kind of change and progress with the times i know i've changed quite a bit since i first started in the industry so do what you love is all i can suggest you do change though don't you because you learn as you're going along you're learning constantly learning by the way that you write punctuation grammar things like that you're learning all the time and you writing does change from your very first book it'll be different all the way through to the last one that you're writing exactly i mean don't get me wrong death walks with me is my baby but number two is my best work and i think with most writers you see the progression in their writing and for me when i first started i I never thought i'd have the courage to do extreme horror i always thought i'd just kind of sit on the sidelines and do dark fantasy or just kind of but now i do occult and dark fantasy urban fantasy and extreme Mm. horror body horror i It's amazing how times change. I mean, I never thought I'd have the courage to actually put my work out there. And here I am, like, seven books later. Yeah. Fantastic. Well, I wish you all the best with uh, all the um, books that you have and the upcoming releases that you won't tell me about. Um, (laughs) Mystery. (laughs) Very annoyed. Very annoyed. (laughs) But, yeah, is there anything else that you want to add at all? No, no. I just uh, want everyone to keep writing and keep going. And, like I say, I'm literally only a message away. You can also see my ugly bum on TikTok if you want to watch me make an absolute pain in myself or occasionally see, like, little mini cameos from either Creepy Bunny or my babies because apparently yesterday they decided to hijack one of my uh, TikTok videos, which I didn't realise until the last minute. (laughs) (laughs) Fantastic. So, uh, well, thank you for coming on the show. It's been wonderful having you here. Well, hopefully I haven't turned anybody else's brain to mush because I know I don't shut up. (laughs) No, that's fine. Don't worry.